2: So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, No minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris. The list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville, WFPK.org, Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, Hopefully you're a subscriber to the series. Interviews are put out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And, of course, we've got them compiled at Consequence of Sound and WFPK.org. So hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening uh, from right now, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from, uh, including iTunes, and Apple Podcast, and Spotify, uh, also YouTube. You can subscribe there as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today my guest, the band Hatchie, I'll be talking with uh, Harriet Pilbeam about her debut record it's called keepsake this comes after a really explosive 2018 that she had with the debut ep and all the critical acclaim and we'll talk about that what excitement led in to this brand new record and how it affected her sound and speaking of that sound it's been talked about a lot Whether you call it Dream Pop or Shoe Gaze or Just Pop or Just Gaze, I suppose. We'll get into what makes this record sound the way it does. And we get the stories behind some of my favorite tracks like Unwanted Guest and the big single Obsessed. Working with producer John Castle. And there's a fun story about uh, how she went to college you know, and got degrees uh, in entertainment and management. uh, Which she says is pretty much useless. Which, we've heard that story before. But as you'll hear... We're going to start with a little television show called Love Island. It's Kyle Meredith with Hatchie.
0: Hi, how's it going?
2: I got to tell you, I mean, Keepsake has been one of the, what do you call it, a a breath of fresh air this year. It's such a great record. And, And I know we have lots to jump in on there. I almost thought... Um, maybe we should just talk about Love Island, uh, considering what you've been writing about <sighs> on Twitter. <laughs> I, oh, my goodness. I, I, I've never seen the show. I don't know what it is, but the way you talk about it, I, I kind of have a feeling what it is, and I'm a bit interested now, just, just the way you sell it.
0: Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, there's a UK season, which is like the original one, but there's a US one at the moment, which is really funny as well, because they've never done it in America with Americans before, and I feel like they just don't quite understand how it works. So they're really funny in the way they react to things and how seriously they're taking things. And it's so, I can't put into words how funny it is. Like, I don't know. It's just really, it's, you know, it's just one of those moments, I think, when it's like really enjoyable to watch something because you know how many other people you know are watching it. But like every time I tweet, I have friends who message me and they're like, oh my God, I saw that too. It's so stupid. Like, it's just so funny. It's ridiculous. It's one of the only reality shows I watch. Like I've never gotten into The Bachelor or anything like that. This is my one. Yeah, this is it. Very fun.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So this is what you're doing with your month off, Uh uh, in, in between, This is exactly. how you turn off.
0: <laughs> yes, it's perfect timing.
2: Well, g- good on you. Maybe, maybe uh, I'll peek in, but uh, maybe I won't because yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I have time to get sucked into something like that. And that's what it sounds like.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what it does. It takes so much time. There's an episode almost every day. So wow. it really takes up a lot of your time. It's a commitment.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, if you're looking for any kind of concept record to write about, uh, you know, you, you could do the Love Island. Yeah. Record, so there it is. <laughs>
0: that's, that's a great idea. Thank you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into Keepsake then. Actually, going into it, so, as the story is told, you know, you, you put out the first few singles that ends up with last year's EP, and the critical acclaim seemed to have hit so mm. quickly for you. You had momentum going into this record. Did it, was there a sense of excitement? Did it, could you feel that?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, especially with the internet and being, you know, so in, you know, contact with people um, constantly, if I want to be, you know, as soon as I just need to pick up my phone to see people commenting on my photos or tweeting me or anything, you know, telling me they can't wait for the album. There was definitely a sense of that as it was happening. But I think it was pretty good in that it wasn't too much of like a pressure for me to to do anything in particular. I just could tell that there were people who were excited. So it was really good. It was really positive.
2: I I thought, you know, even before your first record was out, you've already worked. I know it wasn't a deep relationship, but you've already worked with a Cocteau twin. So yeah, totally getting really started really quickly, I guess.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that definitely grabbed the attention of certain people who were, were expecting a certain type of music after that. So that was definitely a bit bit, um, scary and something I was
2: thinking about. And so much attention has been paid to the sound uh, of this record. Do you ever feel like the songs get nudged aside a bit because of that?
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't know. That's something that I have wondered about. I haven't really um, gotten to an. I don't really have an answer, but it's definitely something I've noticed. Um, I think that certain people pay attention to the writing of the songs and those are the people who call it pop and those are the people who yeah really categorize it as a pop record, which is fine. And then the people who really pay attention to the sound, are the ones who, who categorize it as a different type, whether it's Dream Pop or, you know, their Sensibilities or whatever else people want to call it. I think, yeah, there is definitely, um, there are different people who who listen to it in different ways, which has been really interesting. I don't know if it's, I would see it in ne- in a negative way as it's, you know, gotten in the way of, you know, people paying attention to the songs. But yeah, there's certainly a difference in people's reactions.
2: Yeah, it's been really interesting to kind of read all of that. And especially, you know, of course I'm coming at it where I'm reading it all at once, you know, and this is one block mm. as we go into something like this. So it's uh it feels like yeah. there's a there's a narrative out there that that goes along yeah. with it. With the songs, and I do want to bring up a few of those songs, uh I, I've fallen in love with uh of course, we've been playing Obsessed around here uh, quite a lot at WFBK. Mm-hmm. I-, I fall in love with Uninwanted Guest, I think, personally speaking. Oh, yeah. And the beginning, it's almost like whatever you're saying is like purposefully obscured. Did you do that on purpose or is that mm-hmm. just the way I'm hearing it?
0: Yeah, like I wanted this one to be pretty vague, I think. That's one of, I think that's probably my favorite art song if I had to pick one as well or it's been it was my long-standing favorite um in the demo process. Um yeah, I kind of just wanted it to be yeah, a bit um, you know, if, yeah, with those affected vocals in the middle and in the beginning, sorry, and everything. Just, yeah, a bit more vague, you know. I feel like all my songs are so literal and they're all, either, you know, t- saying exactly how I feel or a story of exactly what happened. And, yeah, I don't know. I kind of just wanted this one to be a bit more obscure in in the sense of the lyrics.
2: That also kind of plays into the artwork, too, because there's a bit of... Uh a bit of uh, obscuring and vagueness when when you get to the artwork.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, that was something I was definitely intent on. I didn't want it to just be like a portrait of me or, you know, like how the EP was. I didn't want it to just be like a photo of my face or something. I wanted it to be something a bit more, I guess, mysterious than that. So yeah, that's what we landed on.
2: It's it's just interesting how that all worked together because as a complete presentation, it does feel like there's um, a picture being drawn both in the music and and with you know the way you're presented on the cover.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
2: Thanks. Obsessed in itself, you know. I brought that one up a minute ago. Uh, I had read that you you sort of wrote that purposefully to be simple, like you wanted a very simple song.
0: Yeah, I was in the middle of um, so I recorded. I, I've been demoing and writing the the record over a few years but the actual process of going into the studio and doing the final recording sessions took place over the second half of last year. I did a session, a two-week session in July and a two-week session in December I think. And in between those two sessions I had most of the songs written but I was feeling like I just it was getting really serious and really um like not even dark at all just almost just I don't know too like melancholy or something and I just wanted yeah I just felt like all my songs were kind of going in the same direction and sounding the same so I just sat down one afternoon and just wanted to write yeah like you said just a super simple pop song and something that didn't I don't know feel sound like it was trying too hard I guess because that's how I was kind of feeling that day about all the music I was writing so yeah I just wrote that song really quick and I think that if you can kind of tell that and that's fine like I'm not going to pretend there's some huge deep deeper meaning to it or you know it took me you know weeks slaving away it was really just written in an afternoon for fun and it was really fun and now it's like one of the most fun songs to perform live so that's that's what I wanted and yeah I think it it ends up you know, just how I expected it.
2: It it sometimes sounds like you go into um, a song, uh, a writing as a challenge or an exercise. Some people sit down, you know, with a guitar or whatever, and they just kind of wait for it to come to you, you know, the the artist or whatever. But but, but do you do that often? Do you go into a song like, well, I want to try this or I want to get to this point, or maybe we do this and see what happens?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Not very often. It's something that I kind of started doing in the second half of last year because I felt like there were some gaps that could, be filled with kind of like, you know, cause I was kind of like envisioning the album as like a patchwork and I felt like, you know, the scale was kind of tipping in one direction. I needed to, like, kind of patch it up and, you know, make some songs that connected other songs together. So for a few songs like that one, yeah, that's what I did. I sat down with kind of an idea in mind. But most of the time it is just whatever comes to me. And it's not planned.
2: It's an interesting talent, though. I mean, have you ever considered writing for others, you know, giving songs away to other people?
0: Yeah, I definitely have. It's something I really want to get into. Um, it was something I was kind of holding off on until the first record was out but it's something that I've thought about a lot and that's actually was kind of the idea when um, I was working on Stay With Me with my partner Joe he he wrote most of that song already and he brought it to me and we helped write it and helped finish the demo together with the idea in mind that it was going to be for someone other than Hatchy and after that it was kind of, you know, such a fun writing session that I felt that I could definitely do this for other people more. Yeah, I think it makes it a bit more relaxed and there's kind of less pressure and it doesn't have to be about something so personal or something so true to yourself yeah. if you do it that way.
2: Yeah, it just ha- we've been listening and playing a lot of the, um, the new Prince record with originals which of course is all of that it's all oh. the songs that he wrote for other people and it's a hell of a talent yes
0: uh-huh it's so incredible it's I, it's I, it's so impressive
2: uh, I, well you know I guess that's a bar for anyone right there a bar set you know yeah. I, <laughs> when you're writing for totally. others that's
0: the dream <laughs> like
2: those are yeah, the exactly. throwaway songs right there yeah sure
0: <laughs> that's so funny yeah that's such a funny way to look at it like imagine if those are the songs you give away <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> you, you kind of mentioned you know how how a song translates live and everything. I think I read on, uh, I don't know, it's probably Twitter or something, you were talking about having to go back, you know, to get a song ready to play live and you, you heard the vocals yeah. on sleep. And it was, mm-hmm. see, this is why artists don't go back and, and listen to themselves after the, after it's oh, done. It's
0: so bad. I never do it. I, I try to avoid it as much as I can. Because there's always going to be things I'll be like, why did I do that? Or why didn't we do that thing? Or keep that thing in that someone told me to take out? Or, Whatever, yeah. It's so funny. I mean, the thing with that one in particular, it was like, all it was is just like, my voice, I just sound so young. And I remember almost redoing those vocals at the time. And I was like, maybe I can do them with a bit more like energy. It just had no energy. And then I was like, eh, it'll be fine. No one will hear it. And I like, genuinely yeah, really was just like, it was just such, so casual. And now I'm like, you know, it's not like billions of people are hearing it or anything, but I'm still like, it's oh, just for myself, I really could have redone those vocals.
2: So it's a lesson learned. Now have you found that, you know, all these songs are easy to, to play live Or are there some that's just more difficult than others?
0: There's definitely a few that have been a bit difficult to get off the ground just because we used, for example, like an old analog synth with a sound that we can't recreate on, on, you know, with MIDI or anything else that we've got. So it's really just been a matter of figuring out how to recreate sounds on the gear that we have. Um, without just spending a million dollars on, you know, getting all the right tracking and everything, like samples for that. So it's been kind of a balancing act of of figuring out what we need to sample and what we can recreate live.
2: Did you play everything on here? I mean, as I'm looking at the credits, you know, it doesn't kind of list. Is this you on every instrument?
0: No, not at all. Um, I can't play drums to save my life so my producer John Castle did all the drums but the all of it's done by me John Castle and my partner Joe. Yeah
2: I was going to ask yeah, you know, so how much was- of a how much of a collaborator was John Castle as the producer.
0: Um most of the songs I had the demos pretty much done and it- all the production decisions made before we headed to the studio. But there were a few that he had a really big hand in, um, like Secret, because I had all those parts written, but it wasn't really production-wise. I had no idea what to do with it. It wasn't anything special. So he really helped to make that what it was. And also Joe helped me in the during the demoing process, kind of figuring out the sound for a lot of them along the way.
2: You know, reading that you had studied entertainment and management in college, and most of the time when people do that, that it ends up being pretty useless But but I you know as we talk about how all of this has sort of pushed ahead, seemingly maybe quicker than a lot of artists could have pulled off. Is it? Have you found that that's been helpful? Have you been able to use what you learned there? Look
0: to be honest. I think it's still been pretty useless for me, but that's, I think, if I, you know, to be completely honest, but I think it's because I was also just already in band other bands before I did that degree. I just kind of was really lost and didn't know what I wanted to study because the only thing I really wanted to do was be an artist. So I was like, well, I may as well, you know, I didn't want to study performing because I felt like that was too close and that would kind of make me hate it because I think studying performing in high school really pushed me away from it. So I was like, well, what can I do that's kind of close to it that kind of, you know, will help me a little bit, but isn't studying exactly what I want to do. And that was kind of the next closest thing I thought of. But yeah, I kind of already knew, I guess, a lot of the basic things that I could have learned from that degree just from being in a band but right. it definitely helped in some ways
2: yeah I, I remember trying to read a book about how to be a manager while I was in a band like you know 20 years ago or something like that and and sort of having yeah. that same thing like I when I got finished with it like well there's that I'm not sure I can yeah. do anything with that
0: <laughs> totally it's a bit like that and I also think it's this it's such a industry where you can't really learn what you need to do from a degree or a book it's so much about other things like you know i'm you know all the best managers in the world i'm sure followed completely different blueprints and there's not one way to do anything you know we were taught weird things like you know there's there's this type of manager and there's two types of record deals and it was all very black and white and structured and i don't think it's like that at all
2: (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) as far as those bands go uh Baba Ganoush, is that the name of the band? Are you, are you still in that? Yeah,
0: yeah, we haven't, like, broken up, and I haven't been replaced or anything, but we just haven't played anything in, like, two years, because partly because of Hachi, but also because, you know, the other members have gone back to university or, you know, gotten full-time jobs and joined other bands and stuff. So we're not doing anything at the moment, but, yeah, I don't know.
2: Still exists. That's what I was wondering, you know, how it fits into your life once all this is happening, if at all. I mean, this is... Yeah. This is when things fade away.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah, totally. Um no, we played like a a, a really casual gig about a year ago and haven't Had a rehearsal since then, but they've been recording while I've been away. Um, but yeah, that's that's the latest news on that. There isn't much news at
2: all, you know. For whatever that is, uh, I'm so happy that you're doing Hatchy because Keepsake is such yeah. a great <laughs> record, it's such a fantastic record, I can't compliment it enough.
0: Oh, thank you so much,
2: no problem. Uh, and Harry, that's it. Thank you so much for talking to me. I, I will release you back to your morning, and uh, and then <laughs> and then what you head, but you're, you're gonna be back in the states uh, for another tour this fall.
0: Yes, that's it. Those are the next shows we have. I'm super. Excited.
2: All right. Well, we'll catch you back when you're over here.
0: Thank you. Have a nice evening. All
2: right. You too. Take care. Bye. My Big thanks to Harriet Pillbeam, the band Hatchie, and its debut record, Keepsake, is out now. Don't forget, before you get out of here, to hit that subscribe button. If you're not already a subscriber to the series, anywhere you get your favorite podcasts from, that's uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also subscribe on YouTube and, uh, and give us a comment. Leave a comment about this episode or the whole series. And, uh, and a rating as well if you can do that. After that, head to wfpk.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. You'll hear brand new songs, anniversary celebrations, music news, clips from these interviews as well. It's also bonus interviews at wfpk.org. Consequenceofsound.net has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter at Kyle Meredith and Facebook slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition of Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.
1: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons.